one. Long time no speak from our side and long time no listen from your side. Hello. This isn't the third time we're trying this right <laughs> Not at all. Body fire alarm. <laughs> so we are the podcast that's let off some steam. Yes. So we talk about some action movies and without further ado, let's just bloody get into that. With an opening question. Yes. Who is your favourite action movie villain? Ooh. I'll start you off to give you a little bit of time to think about that. My favourite villain is in a Korean film called Versus. And oh, it's yeah. not the main villain, although I do like him too. It's the the crime boss. I just think he's absolutely hilarious. And there's one particular scene where um, he shoots a zombie that's behind him. Because it's a zombie vampire zombie martial arts film the way it should be <laughs> it's good it's good yeah. I love it it's approaching the so bad it's good territory but it definitely hits on the right side of it but I've never seen a more flamboyant actor in my life this guy is great and the one where he shoots the zombie behind him and he's got he just shakes the gun and just fires without even looking it's just one of my favourite scenes in cinema history how about you? Sandman in Spider-Man 3 Oh yeah, it always has to be right <laughs> up there. Um, I could have really annoyed you and said Venom. <laughs> I got inflated it, but I, I like you too much to bring him up. Yeah, you, you like just me, did. Yeah, <laughs> I admire your restraint. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely well. Would you call it a villain or not? Could I get away with J. Jonah Jameson instead? Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's an antagonist, yes, isn't he? Yeah, I think he, the, he's the most perfectly cast comic book character there's ever been, in my opinion. Would you concur with that? I would. I think it's it's one of the few ones when he he literally just stepped into that role, and I don't. I think it's the, one of the few positive things that have happened through the Raimi trilogy, and one of the most constants as well was his performances. Even in the third one, where Spider-Man it wasn't, is pretty great. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. that a lot of people still consider that one of the the most definitive of the superhero films it's always in your kind of top five I get what you're meaning when you're saying as well like does this count because you kind of forget what a bad guy is just because he's so great like what's his name again the actor Uh, J.K. Simmons yeah who's also in a quick plash is a real real bad guy he is fantastic he is a great actor Um, I have just heard rumblings of casting news I say just heard this is when I wrote my notes for this episode (laughs) about two weeks ago um, for the new Spider-Man and for the new casting for J. Jonah Jameson who's that? Um, allegedly Hugh Laurie no I'm not having that no I'm not particularly because I'll I'll just you you can do the sarcasm but yeah I mean that's the thing because I'm assuming he's just going to do house but without his walking stick (laughs) is essentially what he's going to do but you've found the perfect actor no need to recast no no and and then there's um, I'm still there's a petition to get him back because of all the characters you want back he's got to be top of the list it's like read that out yes <laughs> I, I want am, to I, talk about that I read that out well yeah um, I, I did a note there was a leaked cast potential cast list for Spider-Man for the new one um, and there's two potentially two villains that are going to be introduced into this um, the first one being Vulture um, who's Adrian Toomes for those that are not familiar who is the one that has the, the flying the flying yeah. suit and depending on which way they go is also the the gauntlets that will absorb people's youth and um, so for that <laughs> for that, role, that isn't it? yeah 
So for that role, the the rumor is Billy Zane, who is <laughs> not been Hollywood bald man. Billy yeah, Zane. who's not been seen since. Uh, do you remember Phantom? Slam either. <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing it on Netflix, and I'm so tempted to watch it again. Just oh, I've seen it recently. It's from what I remember, it is like in your face, kind of OTT, kind of. At least it's fun with that, though. Yeah, in a way that likes to Batman and Robin isn't. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs. As Who would he be? Gorgon, i.e., Scorpion. Ah. Which yeah. um, I'm torn on him, but like, yeah. he, he, you know, he's he's kind of got the because the whole thing with Gorgon is supposed to be the kind of guy that's constantly getting beaten up and abused and kind of wants power because he kind of feels like he's got no other avenues and that's why he ends up being part of this experiment and being turned into the scorpion so from one aspect you can kind of see it but for the other one you're like it's the dude with the pie from American Pie <laughs> it's going to take a lot to pull yourself out of that um, and the, the point, guy who turned his wife into a lesbian and, and what's it called that prison drama yeah Orange is the New Black um, but on a positive note um, Forrest Whitaker is Robbie the Black Shatner yeah. I'm having that all day long oh definitely I'm loving that actually when you think about the back and forth between him and Hugh Laurie I think that could work but we should wait and see yeah. JK Simmons come on yeah. <laughs> we cannot have JK Simmons <laughs> we'll all be sitting with bring back JK like, in the cinemas and stuff I mean even in the last two they didn't really reference him I think the only one was just the um, the, e- the, the reference with the email he sends an email saying now you think Spider-Man is great okay, blah 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 <laughs> And then just gets the reply back saying, wrong. And it's like, yeah. You know. <laughs> and although you don't see him, it's just enough for people to be like, ah, oh, my fix. Excellent. But yeah, I thought we had to kind of get that out there. So more news. Chris Hemsworth leaked picture from him in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Is this our, our Daily Bugle of news? Daily Bugle of news, yeah. yeah. Good link, eh? Yes. Good link, exactly. Fantastic. Even though I didn't do it. <laughs> I know. I'll keep you right, don't worry. It's been a while. So, rusty. Yeah. Did, have you actually seen him in his... Uniform as well. I have indeed this bizarre, like, um, I'm doing community service uniform yeah. that got going on. But like, we've got go faster stripes now. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Good luck with Melissa McCarthy in that. <laughs> she's not going to be going too fast. Because she's, she's fat. Just <laughs> make her look like a pool ball. <laughs> it's. The thing oh. is, even the, if you've seen the pictures of the. Because we'll be slagging this until the day it comes out. And rightly so because it looks terrible um, but I mean even if you've seen the proton packs that they wear as well it just looks like leaf blowers it just looks like leaf <laughs> blowers that somebody's ripped the back out of so you can see the innards and it just looks horrific this news is going to make you happy too oh joy we're going to get Prometheus 2 before Alien 5 can we get neither yeah <laughs> is that an option it's like right I've just been to the toilet does mine smell better than yours <laughs> <laughs> it's uh I haven't seen bits of Chappie. I'm not looking forward to Alien 5. And having seen Prometheus, I'm not looking forward to Prometheus 2. Yeah, because they're still planning on making that a trilogy, aren't they? They're still yeah. wanting to... That's why nothing is resolved in Prometheus. The lost of films. The Fantastic yeah. Four syndrome. Oh. Yeah, I have... I, I think we, we rarely predicted that Fantastic Four would pretty much flop. And I'm quite not happy because it kind of makes me sound a bit like a warmonger for films but um, a warmonger oh, well, you know. <laughs> I declare war on the Fantastic Four yeah I can see that yeah well, to be fair, everybody else has yeah 
Um, well, the studio yeah, did. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of rumours regarding the director and a lot of his bizarre behaviour and a lot of studio interference and everything else, but... Well, okay, yeah, there's, it a, like there's an interview with him on Kevin Smith's Fat Man and Batman podcast, a three-part podcast, which is clearly recorded before the film came out, because he's talking about scenes that aren't even in the film and things yeah. like that. Okay. Can I just say, on, as an aside, Kevin Smith is the worst podcast host in the world. I thought you were just... I was just going to say the worst. I thought you were just going to say he was the worst director or actor. Or he can occasionally head it out of the park when it comes to directing. It's just less and less these days. Keep keep the humour too. Red State is atrocious. God, I think of nothing. It's the way he laughs. He's like, it's sickening. I hate him. <laughs> Sorry, that's nothing to do with that. <laughs> This is the equivalent of when somebody asked me about the Turtles film. This is your Turtles film. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Smith in real life. <laughs> okay, I've got a question for you. I'm going to okay. throw three, three films at you three and I'm going to come back later and see if you can rank them one to three in the most movie kills. Alright, okay. So I'm going to give you three characters who has killed the most people. Okay. So first up, we've got Rambo from 2008 Rambo. Alright, so the the remake. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry, the... Not spread out over all the films. Otherwise, he'd probably be number one. Yeah. Although, I think only one person dies in the first Rambo. There we go. Okay. It would have been two if they'd kept to the original ending, which they should have done, where Rambo kills himself. That's what happens in the book. Mm-hmm. It makes sense from a narrative perspective. But not from a making shedloads of money perspective. So yeah, I still go off on tangents. <laughs> the next person is John Matrix, our spiritual saviour. Yeah, our um, spirit animal. <laughs> His spirit animal would yeah. be a log. Yeah. <laughs> or it would be a deer, yeah. like he feeds at the start. And the last one is Tetsuo from Akira. Ooh, controversial. Okay. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the anime. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I'm speaking your language now, aren't I? Yeah, well, ooh, okay. Almost um, like we know each other. We've done it, we think about that actually. Okay. Okay, shall we talk some Ant Man? We shall talk some Ant Man. What do you think about oh, the Ant Man and all that? <laughs> you know what? Um, uh, there was, I think, a level of concern over this one. I think because a lot of people didn't really know the character, so it's a kind of a bit like when I the Guardians of the Galaxy came out. I know uh, Irredeemable Ant Man. Have you read Irredeemable Ant Man? I've not read Irredeemable Ant Man. Do you know what Irredeemable Ant Man is? Nope. It is about a man who beats up Ant Man and steals his costume so he can pick up girls. <laughs> It's written by Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead, and it is the best Ant Man thing I've ever read. <laughs> he is—he's a real scumbag. <laughs> he, he does use it to pick up women. He'll save them, and he'll be like, "Do you want to go for dinner?" <laughs> it's great. It's only I think seven, eight issues or something. Get it read. Get it bloody read. Get it done. I've actually got a Batman novel I need to read as well. I got the so Hank Pym's. Yes. He's famous in the comics, isn't he? <laughs> depending on who you speak to, will depend on why he's famous. 
Um, but yeah, so people that don't know, he's part of the original um, Avengers. Um, Hank Pym was the original Ant-Man, as well as uh, his, what then became his wife, which was Wasp as well. Janet Van Dyke. Exactly. Um, so Who, in the alternates, is going out with Captain America, I do believe. Oh, there you go. Mm. Keeping it all in house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... I have an age gap there, though, eh? <laughs> oh, there always is going to be, isn't there? So, what did you think of CGI face Michael Douglas for the... Actually looks really good. I was very surprised. Because it was looking at it going... Because I was expecting... You remember, like, the Matrix films where they were doing some of the fight sequences. You're kind of expecting something like that, but... Oh, don't get me wrong. In three years, we're going to be like, what was that? <laughs> What's going on? But no, I mean, I've kind of read an article about how meticulous they were in terms of using footage from the 80s from some of his films to kind of get the look back in it. He, he looked fantastic. You're looking at it going... I mean, I had to Google it afterwards to find out how they did it, but I mean, it's a real cracking effort from them. Well, um, this scene, he's, he's going to see S.H.I.E.L.D., isn't he? Mm-hmm. One of this guy who's going to be a main character in Civil War, I think. Yeah. And uh, what's her name? Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah. Who, further times with that, yeah. Even when she's in her 50s. Still, still would. would. Yeah. <laughs> We're not fussy. Oof. Oof. So they've correctly chosen to make Scott Lang Ant-Man because people have preconceived notions of Hank Pym because mm-hmm. he beat up the Wasp. Yes. And it's because the Ant-Man, part, the Pym particles were affecting his brain, if I mm-hmm. believe right. Yeah, they can, he, he can have references to that. Imagine really if vaguely. he used that plot in this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah, I think if you were kind of trying to verge on that as well, there'd be a lot of mental health well, groups as well going a bit like, yeah. what happened to mum? I showed her the back of my hand. <laughs> the big half of my hand. Because <laughs> that's one part you don't really see is the growth of Ant-Man as well in this. But I, I, Apparently you're going to in Civil War though. Yeah, which would be cool. Um, because I, I do like the fact that we, we do reference Hank Pym and we do get a lot of his background as well. So it's not just a case of him being a bridging gap between the old era and the new era you actually get to hear a lot about his past and kind of get some flashbacks and get some which I really like because I'm, I'm liking the fact he's acknowledged as being a hero if I could go on a tangent here about yeah. Michael Douglas do you remember that news story about he how he caught jaw cancer by going down on Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> <laughs> sorry go on I can't now I'm just <laughs> stunned for words but I do remember that yeah um, Paul Rudd yes Scott Lang I like him Yes. He's a charming guy, Paul mm-hmm. Rudd, and he's, he hasn't aged. Have you watched that White Hall American Summer? No, I keep... It's 2001. I keep, fla- I keep flashing up on there, but I've not and watched it yet. Everyone's... When you see the TV show version of it, everyone's playing themselves from that age, and Paul Rudd looks exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, because the... I like the way they've done Paul Rudd's character, because they've tried to stay true to the most of the original content, being the fact he's an engineer... Being the fact that the mantle's pretty much been taken up because he's trying to look out for his daughter. There's two things about this which make it different to any other Marvel movie. And they seem kind of surface level, but I actually think they play into the themes of it. One is the fact he has a daughter mm-hmm. and he's doing the whole thing for his daughter. Yeah. Which is totally different. Like, everyone's been family free in these Marvel films up till now. Yeah, apart from the, the kind of touching that in Age of Ultron a little bit. But I think that was more about trying to base on the other part of the story which was building on relationships and everything else within the Avengers and the other yeah. thing is the heist they're trying yeah. to, it's like Captain America 2 they're trying a different genre mm. and fair dues to them because why not 
Like, yeah. Why does every Marvel film have to end up with something being picked up at the end so everyone can fight on it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have him coming out of prison and basically in a position where he's not able to pick up any work because of his criminal past, which was basically sending out... Um, was it software? I can't remember now. Was it Was it software? Because the company he was no, working he's, he's, for were trying to... Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was. It, no, it was money. He was trying to. He was trying to reimburse money to to customers because basically the company he was working for were fleecing people. So he's not really a criminal. No, it's like a Robin Don't worry Hood. about him. Yeah, <laughs> Robin Hood is, but he still gets a hard time from his wife and the the cop stepdad now who's doing the dirty with his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You always feel sorry for people when they get lumbered with this role, and he's not too bad at it. Yeah. I'm going to talk about negatives for this film. I think Corey Stoll as Yellow Jacket is a major negative. For I me. was about to ask you for that one. He's very one-dimensional. Yeah. I don't think it's. I don't think he's making a bad performance. He's just underwritten. Yeah. And it's the same. It's the same as the Incredible Hulk. It's the same as Iron Man. It's he's just fighting another version of himself. Yeah. I suppose it's always difficult to get... What makes it better than those examples of it, though, and why they're not just doing that again, is the shrinking effect. Mm. The the fights where they're shrinking and, and growing is actually it looks, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, the the effects for it look fantastic. I mean, I do like the fact as well, which we'll be touching later on, is the fact where you're saying it's like fighting versions of yourself. For those that don't know, just so I can geek out a little bit... Yellow Jacket is like another incarnation of Ant-Man in the comics mm-hmm. it's um, Hank Pym's gone through various I think he had Giant Man um, but was it was, when he was Yellow Jacket he did the whole beating up of- yeah it was almost like Vigilante-esque he was mm. because the, I liked the, for a moment another point of view as well is at the start of the film the fact that Hank Pym doesn't want to give up his technology because Imagine he doesn't this want film to was like Daredevil the series and oh. he was Yellow Jacket <laughs> <laughs> who knows Oh, but I'm getting a husband balls just thinking about Daredevil. I'm keeping my distance. Um, but <laughs> Thank yeah, you for the compliment that you have to keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do like the fact that they kind of focus on the fact that Hank Pym was, you know, where most of the other superhero films that they've got, they're all quite happy to pick up this mantle and go with wherever they've got. And blah, blah. whereas he was more focused on kind of for the good of humanity and for this and for that. So when he found out they were going to try and like weaponize his technology he was like no no that's not what I want and that's something that's always played on um, really predominantly in like the cartoons and a few of the comics and stuff like that where he really doesn't want that to happen which then gets into Ultron as well where blah 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 but we'll not go down that road because it'll confuse too many people but I, I do like that they kind of focus on that aspect of things and Have even you read the Age of Ultron comic book series some of it not all of it where they Wolverine and Sue Storm go back in time to kill Hank Pym to stop him making a Ultron and it's it's very like Flashpoint they end up changing the world so much yeah because Hank Pym's not been there to do this he's not been there yeah, to yeah. do that and that's the thing I mean I do like the thing as well that you know when you see it's Hank almost Pym like they read stage. Flashpoint and thought let's just do that let's do let's this let's do that <laughs> so let's try and move on so we don't get dragged down with stuff so um, we're basically at the point where he can't get a job so his flatmate um, the guy who's going to be in um, The Martian I forget his name the, the actor who has the, the monologue the, the, the dialogue 
I do love. He only does it twice in there, but the um, the sequences where he does the the monologues for the. Um, he's, he's, he's given too much information. <laughs> yeah, Michael Pena is great. Those. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's one I love the, it when you get an actor who's only known for serious stuff, and then they show off in something like this. Yeah, and that's the thing. The way he's portrayed like that. I mean, you, you can't really think of him as a serious actor, but you kind of look back on some of the roles that he's done and go, "Wow, okay, fantastic." So yeah, so essentially he gets brought into this to do a heist um, where it's to rob Hank Pym. heist mate heist 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 <laughs> um, thinking of uh, that um, Sean Connery film with Entrapment yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's do a bloody heist and I'm not bloody going to go down on you because yeah. jaw cancer lies that way <laughs> so from one Douglas to another um, so yeah, so he basically tries to rob Hank Pym um, and ends up stealing the, the suit, uh, which he doesn't know what it is at the time, and then decides to take it home and try it on, which we then get our first real look at the special effects and the minimising and the way that it's done where he's standing in the bath. Mm-hmm. Which Looks great. Yeah, it does. It's, it kind of takes me back. Do you remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kids from the 90s? Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love that film for as, as much as it looks really dated now. Is that that kind of that effect when you're looking at things that are enlarged that much, mm. and that kind of that kind of two three minute sequence where he's kind of going through the flats and kind of going through the floorboards and everything else. I like great. his flying and it's his yeah. pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know the way that they do it and having the the suit as well because the suit was always going to be a weird one to try and pull off because it's very. It doesn't look. It probably of all these outfits in these Marvel comics, it looks the most comic booky. Yeah. The end, the most difficult to pull off on screen. Mm-hmm. I think they've done the best they can. Yeah. It looks like a bike messenger, but I don't yeah. really know what. I suppose other way it, I it makes more sense as well because in the in the comics and in the um, in the cartoons, it was like the rather than having the earpiece for controlling the ads, it was like a mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a synthesizer that he had. Um, so I think. <laughs> <laughs> go on, <let's> go. Is <laughs> it <laughs> Peter Frampton? <laughs> yeah, the answer like what? <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> go. But um, so I think that's natural progression with technology as well, where it seems more realistic to have it as a kind of wireless earpiece rather than having a clunky kind of uh, mouthpiece like that. Um, so we have the, the kind of ongoing thread where it's supposed to be that um, Corey Stoll is the prodigy for Hank Pym. Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to make his own suit. Yeah. So we then get what I love was the um, the flashbacks to kind of footage of, of Hank Pym fighting yeah. in kind of the 70s and 80s, which, again, as you say, you know, they might well cast back to that a little bit more, which would be cool. You the know, scene where it's him and the wasp on the plane is amazing. It's great, yeah. And I, lo- I love the fact that the... You were skipping ahead a little bit, but I did love the fact that she was involved, even if it was that small part. Mm. Um, and just That's to show... That's another criticism I'd have, though, is the fact that Hope Van Dyne doesn't get the suit till the end. Sorry, spoiler. <laughs> I'm you! By the way, there will be spoilers. We're going to get that the wrong way around. Yeah, sorry. My bad. It's very artificial, the reasons why she can't help him until the end. And they're right, she is the best choice to wear the Hatman suit. Yeah. Because she's teaching him to do it the way she would do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just 
doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can kind of understand the logic behind it to an extent, but um, yeah, we'll kind of we'll go with that because it kind of builds on as we go. It's almost so, like the writers are saying, "We don't want this Hank Pym fellow to come off like he hates women. <laughs> Let's not go down that route. <laughs> Let's try not go do this direct." But yeah, so essentially, what they're trying to do is they're trying to use the recreate the Pym particle which is what basically powers the Ant-Man suit for the, the chemical that allows the atoms to compress and then shrink. But they put the wrong bloody food dye in it, didn't they? Yeah. It's yellow food dye instead. Yeah. Shocking. It's almost like they want to coordinate with the suit and all. Yeah. So, yeah, so essentially what ends up happening is that they realise that he's getting quite close to replicating the serum and then weaponising what they've got because you can then see he's designed this yellow jacket um, armour you know how he's worried as well that the prim particles have major effects on your body over a long, prolonged period of time? Yes. Whatever, Darren, Darren Cross, Darren... Dar- Darren, Darren, ah, one of the crosses, D-Cross. <laughs> Alex Cross. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> or, if you're really unlucky, Tyler Perry. Yeah. <laughs> um, his one sends him insane almost immediately. <laughs> See, I kind of, the way it was referenced, I had to kind of take that as it was rather than the use of the particles, it was more his exposure to it because he was experimenting with it so much and probably tinkering about with so much of the chemicals because he was exposed to it rather than actually physically using it, it had the same kind of effect. So, whereas I think with, with Hank Pym, it was more a case of it was designed and then it was used and it was more a gradual thing because he was only using it as and when he needed to we all know what this is really about though this is Hollywood saying bald fellows are nothing but hoodlums like they do in every film (laughs) true story (laughs) how dare you Hollywood (laughs) we're Statham we need them Um, so yeah so what we then kind of kick on with from that point is almost like a Rocky Forest. Yeah, like the Rocky Four-esque um, training montage, first of all. Yeah, yeah, you've got that, eh? Yeah, because yeah, what they essentially want them to do is to learn to use the suit and utilise it. Unfortunately, there's no Vince DiCola soundtrack. There's not. <laughs> Although I did like the the way they were trying to do different things with that, So, which also involves using the ants, mm-hmm. which would have been easy enough for them to kind of just skip over or really kind of draw awards. But they actually try and use a bit more of an uh, it sounds as strange as it sounds like an emotional attachment to it yeah it's kind of uh, amazing how much of a part of the ants play in this yeah much like um, when I shot the kids as well where they've got the big ant <laughs> there's like and it's the same thing who knew like you know, 20 years later Rick, Rick Moranis is Ant-Man I'd be having it <laughs> well he's almost the same size as Ant-Man when he's small um, oh oh Big slam on the guy who gave up Hollywood to raise his family so that's the sort of people he have goes at <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, it's fine. He's too busy raising his kids, he won't hear us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we get this whole montage with the different types of um, ants that he can use, um, and also at the same time, kind of utilising how he's going to use his ability to shrink in terms of using his strength. Because they try and make the point the same because, the, because his atoms are compressed, it then means that the force he can then put behind running, jumping, punching, blah, 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 blah. blah is then increased because it's it's compressed which is the way I took it I'm assuming is the um, so he has to kind of utilise how to how to do that to the point where he doesn't basically rip somebody's head off which might put the certificate in the film a bit higher can we move it along now we're, we're talking about every single scene <laughs> of the film <laughs> ok so 
He does the month and learns how to use the suit and then gets the three guys from the start involved as well. One of um, which is the guy from Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, who is the one who shoots, tries to shoot the commissioner. That does shoot the commissioner when they're doing the funeral. The When the Joker's followers with yeah. the... Yeah. Who looks ex- almost identical to the Scarecrow. Mm. Aye, because it confuses you, yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's the one that um, Harvey Dent goes to try and also kill him. Tom Kenny from SpongeBob SquarePants fame. Mm-hmm. He uh, does the voice of the the creepy doll that he gives his daughter. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with the bunny. <laughs> Put the bunny down. So he fights the Falcon and uh, let's face it pointless but nonetheless quite entertaining scene one of the yeah I was quite surprised at that because I didn't think there would be I knew that it was mentioned but I didn't think it was going to be to such an extent because I did like the fact when he was coming down because essentially saying right you need to steal this to I like so we can break in I can hear you you know because <laughs> uh, it's the point where he's communicating saying you can't see me and then I can see you he's like ah you can see me Anthony Mackie is one of the most charismatic actors in Hollywood. He is yeah. amazing. <laughs> Imagine him as Johnny Storm. Now that's casting. Yeah. That will not go back in that route again. No. <laughs> Lessons learned. But no, that the fight sequence between Falcon and Ant Man is great. I love it for what it is. Because I suppose a lot of people will be looking at this scene, right, how if you're Ant Man or you know, this character, how are they gonna fight? And it almost feels like it's a you know this is what you know. This is what it can be like, or this is what you can expect, and it's great. I love yeah. it, um, and I think it's it's the kind of thing that give it a bit of a shot in the arm as well, kind of halfway through the film, just to keep the interest going. Because maybe at that point, people were a bit like, "All right, okay," and it was maybe enough just to be like, "All right, cool." Um, so, so we get that. So, kicks Falcon's ass. It's like, yeah, Carol. Oh, good. Although in saying that. The entire forty minutes that starts off Return of the Jedi has nothing to do with the rest of the film, and I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we then get to the the point in the heist where they find out that the suits that um, D Cross has made is um, <laughs> yeah, essentially the, the, way do it. yeah yeah um, essentially he's he, he's fixed the formula so it now works for him. So you can I then use actually it. am not a big fan of that only because I was enjoying the heist so much up to that point, mm. and the heist just kind of stops at that point yeah because at that point you then get rumbled yeah um, but I do I mean you do like it and appreciate it. again get, I could use the special effects and the minimising things as well we're going through and then trying to get in the container um, which then then there's the fight scene at his daughter's room which Thomas the Tank oh, it's great <laughs> it I was funny enough in the trailer but it was I laughed at it every time in the trailer and I laughed at it in the film too, too. I, I, I think no matter how many times I watch this I think it I'll helps as well it. where that is clearly Edgar Wright though yeah that is Edgar Wright yeah I'll, I'll do like the fact where you've got the close ups for doing the fight sequences but you then get the perspective shots as well from essentially which would be the daughter's <laughs> point of view where it's just the train's getting thrown about <laughs> or falling over and it's you can't really see much else that's but, the Edgar Wright bits hmm. um, I like it when the big Thomas Tank engine gets made really giant as well you can see the big freaky eyes because they've got the things that can turn things either small or big these wee things yeah so it's like two different colours like pin grenades yeah yeah, and they're two different colours but you're like I don't care just throw them throw anything that'll be fine <laughs> so overall yeah overall 
really enjoyed how it. How much steam escapes the chest? Um, other beer, I'd give it a eight out of ten. Yeah, I would say seven and a half. Hmm. Just to be different, I'd say um, it's. <laughs> I pro- really think it's an eight out of ten. I just I yeah. Don't, would you agree with you? <laughs> I, I think it's one of the in most recent times. It's one of the strongest origin films that they've done so far. Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, and, and I think it possibly, like you say, though, that's partly because nobody knows who it is. So at least it's someone fresh. Yeah, and that's always the thing. You've always got to. It, as much as people are like oh we need more action I need this and that it's like yeah but you've still got to like lay how many people in the world at this point are saying how did Bruce Wayne become Batman <laughs> exactly and it's how all did Peter Parker become Spider-Man I have no idea we need, we need to be told again we let Uncle Ben not again come on son he's going to have to shoot him again <laughs> but thankfully I have been told that in the film they're skipping over that they're, they're just going straight into the action for that God. So, which makes more sense There'll be a um, flashback, though. You know there will. Be. Yeah, there will be. There will be a brief flashback, but they're not going to. Uh, or they might just do the way I believe what they did for Spider-Man Two, where they had kind of during the credits have the flashbacks in there. That's how you do it. Yeah, Spider-Man could have started like that. Yeah, or the the crap where they did it in Spider-Man Three, but where he's talking to him in a car as well. That's lovely that moment. What when he has the the flashback when Spider-Man Two, and it's there. It's not really a flashback. He's talking. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's yeah inside his head. Yeah. Um, because yeah. his, his uncle knows he's Spider-Man which he wasn't <laughs> he knew he always, he always <laughs> knew <laughs> so um, we also watched The Expendables 3 we're not going to spend too long on this because my god why would we <laughs> yeah yeah because um, unfortunately I wasn't able to um, watch Sharknado 3 so we had to improvise and instead watch Expendables 3 which I'm not sure if that was a trade up or a trade down I actually think we should review this film by going through the characters that's how we should do it I actually think we should go through this film by doing the characters one by one and see what we thought of them okay Stallone Lee no what's his name it's got a really stupid name but Lee Christmas is Statham isn't it yeah (laughs) it's just always makes me think of Dumb and Dumber it's Barney Ross as Stallone yeah what do you think of Stallone yeah, I mean, he's not exactly pushing himself with these roles, is it? It's a case of, <laughs> and he is starting to, you know, as much as you can see it in the first film, you're looking at him now saying, wow, you're looking seriously old now. It's like the, the face of the ley lines, it's just like, wow. He is, it is like looking at a bull in a field now, isn't it? Yeah. Because he, he's taken so much human growth hormone that he is becoming a new species. <laughs> it's like Avatar. <laughs> Uh, Snipes where's the Snipes yeah I was really happy to see Snipes back but um, some good jokes about him being bankrupt being in prison it's all good (laughs) I get the feeling on set he was like I'm not too comfortable with these jokes being made well Wesley would you like to go back to prison (laughs) no no I'll be good Mr Stone (laughs) our survey says (laughs) He's not in it a lot, though, is he? No, he doesn't get he a lot. He disappears th- for a lot of the film. Mm. Ah, you can see him as, at the start of the film and then towards the end for the last like thirty minutes or so. Spoiler for this: they have the old crew. One of them gets killed, which is Terry Crews. Yeah, it was weird because when you see him getting shot, it almost. The, oh no, it, he doesn't get killed. He no, no, he gets. But uh, you, you can't. No one dies in his expendable nah, film. Bizarrely, nah, everybody dies, just not him. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird because the second time that Mel Gibson shoots him. I thought he shot him in the ass, and it wasn't until he was like, "Oh, I was like, 
just take it a bit harsher and then you realise that he'd actually shot him in the, in the butt and I was like ah, I see because I thought he was just taking the, the mech and just shot him in the ass it's like high powered rifle when they shoot you in the ass it's like what but yeah um, so yeah we've also I thought I saw a Jew down there <laughs> make fun of my films will you <laughs> we'll save him for last yeah because <laughs> well, I've got a lot to say I can imagine so who else we got we've got Dolph Lundgren he was barely in it yeah, who will now? Who is also now going to be of kindergarten cop fame? Yes, have you seen part the like, two. part two? <laughs> I don't know why they've come up with this, but I'm going to see it. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. It's not going to be the worst than Masters of the Universe, is it? Oh, <laughs> Harrison Ford. Yeah, who? Um, this is bizarre, eh? Yeah, who? You're really struggling to hear any of his dialogue as well with the way that he speaks. It's really. I think my mate Rob and his theory that he once had a stroke, stroke yeah. is really good. But it is like he only talks for one side of his mouth. Eh? That's the thing, you still, uh, give a, you still give a wee cheer when you say it. It's like, hey, but then... I love it. The vet later on anyway says, this is the most fun I've had in years. But he's just so insincere. Yeah. That's he's the thing. He's sarcastic. <laughs> that's the thing. He's not exactly, he's not exactly the most animated of the characters on screen. But I suppose at that point you're just past caring because it's just like yeah, just give me the money. I don't care. Okay, let's get someone that we're actually going to praise. Antonio Banderas. He is a he is playing the cat from Shrek. And yeah. I al- yeah. I almost wished it was just like you know, sometimes they call me puss in boots. Yeah. I would have loved that. I mean, but, but yeah, he just seems like a really excitable small child all the time, doesn't he? For the character, it's just like it's me, 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 me. All these yeah. new characters, by the way, couldn't care less. Yeah, don't want to talk about any of them. But even Kelsey Grammer. No, I want to talk. About <laughs> famous action star Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, it's famous There's for one being particular scene. Famous for being beast. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Fraser. Fraser Action star Fraser Crane. <laughs> so he is in the same. Him and Barney Ross go around the world, like getting themselves new expendables. Yeah. And it's really, really good because every time they go to a new place, they're wearing something new. And so they're they're in one scene and they're wearing like cravats. <laughs> they're in another scene. They're wearing like army gear. And there's the Hawaiian shirts when yeah, you go and see the, like, the fashion show. Like wardrobe change. <laughs> yeah, it's really bizarre. But uh, you've got to love a hiding montage. You think, are you thinking this might have been Bruce Willis's part? How do you agree to that? <laughs> I, I, just, I just noticed going through my notes there as well. Um, I can't remember who the line was. but um, Actually, do you think that was a slam on Bruce Willis? Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be in this film. Well, I'll tell you what, action star, I'm going to get to replace you. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> I just noticed that one of my notes there is, um, for a quote for somebody for the line is, relax, you'll give yourself a stroke. And I can't remember if that was Harrison Ford to somebody else. <laughs> I'll need to go back and check. I've got Trust me, you, you want to relax, kid. <laughs> Look at this face. <laughs> Look, I've got a, is I've got... Ronda Rousey one of them? Um, expendables? Yeah, she was the um, the nightclub the bouncer. Ghetto? Yeah, <laughs> she was the ghetto, right? No, no, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, unless you read the articles where it's like um, you guys were going to say, but she's a man amongst women. Really? <laughs> as well as all the jokes of yeah, yeah, beat a last in thirty four seconds, and then men going, oh, I wouldn't even last that myself. But yeah. 
Yeah, this film's hilarious. Statham forgot him. Yeah, well, because the film also forgot him. It kind of it it kinda just feels like the the love interest for Stallone half the time because it does yeah. feel like that. There's yeah. that real undercurrent of and uh, his love interest, Charisma Carpenter, is like no more as well. I say I've only got eyes for Stallone now. He does have a good line though. Eh? Do you want to take this or shall I? It's not as good as the one in Expendables too. Uh, I think I'll leave it to you. Because the knife before Christmas line, isn't it? Do you know the one in Expendables too? Uh, you'll be more familiar with it than I am. I now pronounce you man and knife. That is fantastic. Now that's what you get with Stallone dialogue. <laughs> Rocky-esque. Okay, we've danced around them long enough. Kelsey Grammer again. <laughs> <laughs> He's been in a lot of good action films, hasn't he? Yeah. There was Cheers and Frasier. Beast. Yeah. No, Mel Gibson. Yes. Sugar tits himself. <laughs> so he used to be a good guy, and now he's a bad guy who no one likes. Anyway, about him starring in Expendables 3. Ooh. Oh, burn, take that, Mel Gibson. Oh, gee. Yeah, Come so on. it's the. Come on, you got to give me a high five. <laughs> so it's the action cliche <laughs> of. You give me a high uh, five. <laughs> so it's the action cliche of friend turns to enemy after betraying. Yes. <gasps> My old partner! Which might have worked a bit better if. Like, say he was in the first one or something. Yeah, or if there was some kind of or flashback. Or if this or... was Dolph Lundgren, or if this was Lee no, you, Christmas. No, you, it would probably make more sense with Dolph Lundgren, because yeah. especially the way he was in the last couple of films. Every say, bloody movie I get shot, now I'm turning against them. <laughs> Except in a more unintelligible accent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, forgot about uh, Schwarzenegger and Jet Li. Jet Li, yeah. Being in a relationship. Yeah, that, that was, was odd. Because you did tell me about that before, but that was one of you the... You were like, shut up. Shut up. That's not true. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre and awkward film sequences I've ever had to sit and watch. <laughs> it's just strange. It was, although I was more confused by... I don't know if you caught this at the, the point at the end where... Because we're skipping over most of the dialogue. We don't care. Um, the point at the end where they're all celebrating and getting drunk. And then they're basically talking about Captain Planet. Did you... <laughs> <laughs> they're basically giving it with, with these rings combined blah blah I was like god almighty back to the 90s why don't we Quentin Tarantino couldn't go get lost as far as I'm concerned I'll give you the pop culture references <laughs> yeah so out of 10 uh, solid 3 out of 10 for that one yes I've actually had more fun talking about it than I did watching it <laughs> It did feel like a total stretch as well. I mean, it's, it's I'll, I'll give it four because of Banderas and Kelsey Grammer in his Hawaiian shirt and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, Teddy, why shoot Teddy Cruz? He's the only one with charisma out of the original team. And just shoot him straight from the bat. But yeah. Okay, so I asked you a question. You did. I demand a bloody answer. So Rambo two thousand eight, John Matrix Tetsuo. What do you think is your one, two, three? So are we going? Is this ascending or descending order? So are we doing like top, starting middle, middle, starting top, yeah, starting top. Um, I would say John Matrix for my number one. Okay. Akira for two, and then Rambo for three. I'm afraid you're incorrect. Um, 
No, he didn't even get backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel all over the shop. Um, number one was Tetsuo. All right. <sighs> number two was Rambo 2008. Remember that um, big yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In that scene. <laughs> He's chopping people's lings, le- lings. Yeah. He's Lings? chopping people's lings off. Lings, racist. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit racist. <laughs> Better cut that out. Actually, I'm going to leave it in. Oh dear. Let's be politically correct. <laughs> and number three was John Matrix. Uh-huh. And way above any of them, by the way, is Topper Harley from Hot Shots too. As I mentioned before, but I just I love that fact. More. It's fantastic. Okay, so yeah, thanks then yeah. for coming along to your flat. <laughs> for yeah, turning myself away from the Xbox. Yeah, see you later. See ya, and see you later as well, audience. Be back soon. Button moon. <laughs>